I'm Michael, so I'm part of the team here, so welcome if you're in the room or online. Married to the lovely Gillian, who took communion, and you might ask yourself, how is it that you got so lucky? Well, that's an interesting story, because if you know something of my story, I did everything that is humanly possible not to marry this woman. Um, I'm the only person I know. When, when Gillian came into my life, you need to understand that wom woman caused too much pain, took too much time, and cost too much money, <laughs> which is a good way of staying single, right, ladies, wouldn't you say? Pretty much a hopeless case. I'm the only person I know who went to Faith Bible College, married, and came out single. Engaged. engaged sorry, engaged, yes. Better get that right. Just while Gillian's here in the front row to correct my mistakes. And... Um, I still remember when Gillian came to our, we had a family orchard and we were showing her around and my mum said, you probably, some of you would have heard this story, would you like Gillian to stay for dinner? I said, mum, certainly not. We don't want this girl getting the wrong idea. <laughs> and so she went home hungry. And you might say, how did I end up being married to her? And I think the only thing that, looking back that I did right in all of that was I just continued to serve God. I made lots of other mistakes, as you can hear, but one of the things I did do was continue to serve God in the areas that he gave me to serve. And I just feel that's a prophetic word for someone online or in the room today, that if you're in that state where maybe you're looking for that, um, for that perfect woman or perfect man, you probably never find them because no one's perfect, but you're looking for that special person in your life or maybe you're looking for a circumstance to shift and it's a frustration, I think the word of encouragement to you this morning is just continue to serve with what God gives you to serve, and, um, and God works the rest out. Gillian prayed, and the rest is history, so we'll be talking about persevering prayer later on, so it does work. I'm testimony of that. Well, today is the second Sunday in Advent. Now, maybe Advent's not kind of a term that you're, you're used to. I guess most of us are familiar with Advent calendars. I said in the 9am gathering that I don't think our kids have ever forgiven us that when we had advent calendars, there were no chocolates inside. Can you believe that? What parents give our advent calendars with no chocolates? That's unbelievable, isn't it, Luke? And so, you know, there were just, there were just um, you know, stars there to remind us that, you know, the star led the, the wise men, you know, which way to go to find the manger, and, but no chocolates. But I did have revelation this morning about an advent calendar that Gillian could make up for me, and I thought each day there could be a different fishing lure that could stand for something, and I thought the first one could be a glow bug reminding us of the star that was over Bethlehem, and I didn't get any further than that, but I'm sure, I'm sure that has potential. I'm, I'm sure I could work on that. That would work. <laughs> there we go. You'd buy one. <laughs> well, we're marketing them already. Last week was Thanksgiving Sunday, and um, Thanksgiving we don't normally celebrate on the fourth Thursday of November in New Zealand, but in America it comes in the fall, which we would call autumn, and it's, for them it's a, a celebration of the harvest, the end of the harvest, and of God's goodness and faithfulness over the harvest. And um, I don't know whether some of you have grown up in traditional churches as I have, but I remember going, and it, we did it in the New Zealand autumn, which is, I guess is, is May, and we had Harvest Festival. Does anyone remember online or in the room Harvest Festival? I see those hands. And you used to take along produce from the garden, so there'd always be silver beet, right? Because if you can't grow silver beet, come and see me later, you need help. Um, so, and there would be pumpkins, and there would be, you know, kumra, and there would be hopefully some jams and preserves, and if you're really lucky, cakes and biscuits, and, and it would be just a, a symbol of God's goodness and faithfulness. 
and we would remember God's goodness and faithfulness. And uh, goodness and faithfulness is really a theme that's been flowing through our gathering this morning. Um, Tara and I didn't, um, I've lost her, she's somewhere, she must have gone up to heaven. Um, <laughs> where are you, Tara? <laughs> so, um, you know, the attitude, here she is, she's come back to earth again. Give her a welcome. Welcome, Tara. Sorry for those online who don't have any context, but she left the room and I was talking about her and now she's come back in again. <laughs> now she's embarrassed. <laughs> so, um, where was I in all of that? Oh yes, Tara and I hadn't talked together about today's gathering, but you know, just the context of, of the songs that we've been singing is really talking about the gratitude and thanksgiving, and Jay really talked about that as well. And it's really important, gratitude and thanksgiving. And I was Googling about gratitude and thanksgiving, as you do, and uh, I found this uh, in a paper from Harvard Medical School. Well, actually, I didn't read the whole paper, I just found the quote, need to be honest. Um, and it said this, Mia's going to put it up on the screen for us. It says, gratitude helps people feel more positive emotions, relish good experiences, improve their health, deal with adversity, and build strong relationships. Gratitude's really important. You know, some days I don't always feel particularly grateful or thankful. Um, what I used to do on those occasions is I used to get off my bookshelf. You might think this is a bit strange, but you probably know I'm a bit strange by now anyway, right? Thank you for that positive reinforcement. <laughs> I used to get down Fox's Book of Martyrs, and it's a, it's a story about people that were martyred for their faith, and I'd read about someone, you know, a Cromwell or whatever, I think, who had his arm stuck in the flames. He was burnt at the stake and maintained his faith for Jesus, and then after they'd been through all of that, I think, oh, I don't feel so bad now. You know, <laughs> life here on earth isn't so bad. But gratitude and thanksgiving is so important to be part of our lives. And uh, in this article... Um, they talked about ways in which you can cultivate gratitude and thanksgiving. Speaking of which, I'll put my clock on now so that you won't be worried that I'll rabbit on for too long, and then you'll be grateful and, and thankful as well. <laughs> so, uh, and they came up with these points, which Mia's going to put up for us. You can write a thank you note to someone. You know, it's a great way just to express gratitude and thanksgiving. You could send an email, you could send a, a Christmas, you know, a, um, an e-Christmas card. In fact, they found in their research that the person doesn't even need to be there. You can thank someone mentally and will actually do you good. And I was talking at the 9am about, I remember my grandmother. My grandmother was a scary lady. Gertrude Harley Brown. That's a scary name for a start. Le legend has it, I don't know whether this is true, but legend has it that she used to park outside, double park outside Cacaldi and Staines in Wellington, which is like a fancy apartment store, and the police would not touch the car because you do not mess with Mrs. Harley Brown. <laughs> I tell you, she was one scary lady. But I remember she would kneel beside my bed and she would teach me the Lord's Prayer. And I'm so grateful for that. And as I think about that, she's not around. I can't express that to her physically, but it does something for me. Maybe there are people in your life and you can just express... They may not be here physically, but you can express gratitude and thanksgiving. You could keep a gratitude journal, you know, where each day you try and write something that you're thankful for. Um, and you can count your blessings. You can pray. And you can meditate. And I added these words. These weren't from the Harvard Medical School article. But you can meditate on the, on the gift of love, joy, hope, and peace that Jesus brings at Christmas time. And you know, our world so needs love and joy and hope and peace. I really 
believe between now and Christmas, that we're all ministers, right? We're all on mission. And so we're to take that love and joy and hope and peace to people in our world. I was sharing at the 9am that Gillian and I were at Gillian's work do um, last night. And, you know, work do's as a spouse, they can be a bit awkward sometimes. Do you kind of find that? You know, you're sort of nice to be invited, but you kind of feel a little bit of an add-on. And we were 10-pin bowling, and so I thought, man, I'm going to just knock this out of the park. So I got that number 15 ball, and I swing it. Down the gutter it went one side. Down the gutter it went the other side. I thought, oh, this is not a good start. Right, next time I'm going to have to pull out my best game. So I went from a 15 to a 14. Gutter ball both sides. I thought, oh, no, this is not going at all well. I don't have much gratitude in Thanksgiving. And then what's worse, someone in our team started coaching me. So I thought, oh. But long story short, three strikes at the end and one for the team. So, and I was filled with gratitude and thanksgiving then. So that was good. But you know, in those situations, we had some fascinating conversations. And it's just an opportunity to bring something of the love and the joy and the peace and the presence of Jesus into those situations. I want to share a scripture this morning that I shared um, at the 6 p.m. last week because I just want to take some time to unpack the context of the scripture. And it's from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. It says, Always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. And there have been some circumstances in my life when I have not been grateful. I don't know about you, is it just me? Are you still breathing out there? I think there have all been times in our lives. I remember one example, and we were going through our, our three difficult years. We've got Kath with us this morning, and uh, Kath's a great friend. She was part of our church in Wellington, and we visited Kath in Cambodia, Phnom Penh, was it Phnom Penh? And we went to the Rus- Kath took us to the Russian market. She was working over there with YWAM. She's come back to do some study. And um, I dared Kath in the Russian markets. They had all of these spiders there that you could eat, right? Cooked spiders. And I dared Kath. I said, Kath, I dare you. It cost me American dollar. One American dollar, was it? Yeah, it was quite a big one. I said, Kath, I dare you to eat this spider. And she comes straight back and says, I'll eat it if you will. <laughs> and so it was like, I don't know whether it was a tarantula, but it was quite, it was quite big. It was a tarantula, wasn't it? Yeah, but not like a, not like a you know, I don't want to exaggerate. You don't do that in church, do you? It wasn't like a plate like this, but it was quite big, like about the size of a tennis ball body, maybe. Maybe a golf ball. I, I forget, it's like trout, you know, they get bigger with time. And so, so Kath chomped off a couple of legs, and I chomped off a couple of legs, and then fortunately we found a Cambodian local to finish off the rest for us. So um, there we go, that was great. I don't know why I told that story, but it was, um, it, was, it was good. So when we're looking at a passage like this, um, just thinking about you know, those times, situations when we find it difficult, I remember up to now, difficult to be thankful Kath was with us some of those years when we had three years from hell with our daughter, and she was a great, you were great, Kath, the way that you got alongside her, and really appreciate that. I remember once there was a knock on the door, and it was a policeman there, and he was after our daughter because there'd been some misdemeanor that um, he wanted to have a word with her, or she wanted to have a word to hear about it. And I remember saying, um, nice to see you, officer. Now, I've got my mother-in-law down this end of the house having panic attacks, and I've got my daughter down this end of the house trying to stop her um, climbing out windows, do you think we could go down this end of the house because if you meet my mother-in-law right now, that's not going to help her panic attacks. <laughs> it was like a bizarre time in our lives. I wasn't grateful for those times. 
But it's knowing that in the midst of those difficult circumstances, we don't have to be grateful for the circumstances. We're grateful that God is with us and we're with one another in the midst of the circumstances. And we're grateful for God bringing people like Kath, who could get alongside our daughter and just continue to speak words of life. Our daughter's 28 now, is that right? She is. And she's in a much better place than when she was 12, 13, and 14. She's got engaged. She's got a great young man in her life. We've prayed so many men who aren't so great out of her life. It's really good to have a great young man in her life. And Eva rings me up and says, I want to ask for permission to marry your daughter. How good is that? And then says, I want you to be there when I propose to her because I just want to sweep her off her feet and I want you guys to be part of it. So, oh, a redemptive moment right there. So, you know, we're not grateful for awful circumstances, but we're grateful that God is with us in the circumstances. Three questions that we need to ask when we approach a passage of Scripture like this. The first is, who has written this passage of Scripture? And if you read through First Thessalonians, you'll see Paul wrote it. He wrote it to the church in Thessalonica, and he wrote it in AD 51, which is only 20-odd years after Jesus had died, been buried, and resurrected. And the church is in persecution. And so this, we need to know that because this is not a try-hard message, a try-harder message. You know, and Paul's saying, be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances. It's not like Michael, look in the mirror and tell yourself to be joyful. He's a loving father to the church. He loves the church. They're in persecution. He's bringing a message of encouragement. That's really important for us to know. The second thing is important to know is the context and as we see the context um, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 22, we see that this is Paul's last words to the church. He may never get to write to them again. So he's wanting to set them up with words of encouragement that will help them to navigate the difficult seasons of life. And so Mia's put those up for us, 1 Thessalonians 5, 12 to 22. Dear brothers and sisters, honor those who are your leaders in the Lord's work. They work hard amongst you and give you spiritual guidance. Show them great respect and wholehearted love because of their work and live peacefully with each other. It's always good to talk to Pastor Sheard and Pastor Jen when they aren't here. He said it's not so good because I'll probably watch this online later. But I, I think, you know, it just reminded me when I read this is we need to honour our leaders. You know, those guys work tirelessly for us. And so why don't we in the next week or two just do something nice. You know, it's quite disconcerting as a pastor when someone does something nice for you. It's kind of think, oh, I wonder if there's any hidden angle to that. <laughs> but let's just do something nice because we love them and appreciate them. That would be cool. Right. Verse 14, brothers and sisters, we urge you to warn, warn those who are lazy. Encourage those who are timid. Take tender care of those who are weak. Be patient with everyone. See that no one pays back evil for evil, but always try to good, do good to each other and to all people. Some great advice there, isn't there, leading up to the Christmas season. And then Paul writes, always be joyful, never stop praying, be thankful in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you who belong to Christ Jesus. Don't stifle the Holy Spirit. Do not scoff at prophecies, but test everything that is said. Hold on to what is good. Stay away from every kind of evil. So we get something of the context of what Paul is talking about. And then the third thing we need to look for is, What's the truth that Paul's talking about that was true for the church in Thessalonica and is true for us today? And I just want to leave you with these three simple truths this morning. The first is, always be joyful. And when Paul's talking about joyful, he, he's not talking about a human emotion like being happy or sad. 
He's talking about the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5. You know, love, joy, peace, patience, the, the, the fruit that are mentioned there. I used to be an orchardist. And, you know, and an apple tree doesn't have to think, oh, man, I'm going to produce some Granny Smiths and try and, you know, squeeze them out. An apple, uh, oh, I don't think they do anyway. An apple tree <laughs> produces wonderful fruit because of the DNA of the tree. And the fruit of joy in our lives is because of the DNA of us. We, we understand that Jesus was born amongst us. We understand that he was crucified, suffered, died a horrific death, rose again to heaven, sits at the right hand of the Father, intercedes on our behalf. We need to understand that the Father loves us, you know, has good gifts for us as children, wants to champion us, believes in us more than we believe ourselves. And as we allow that to percolate within us, then an overflow of that is joy. You know, joy is very closely allied to hope. And the world in which we live so desperately needs hope. It so desperately needs peace. And, and that flows from us when we understand something of who we are to God. I remember Pastor Nick Klinkenberg saying, you know, God believes in us more than we believe in ourselves. I want you to take that on board this morning, whether you're online or whether you're here in the room. God loves you. God champions you. God has plans and purposes for your life. You can muck everything up when it comes to trying to find a beautiful partner in life, and God still comes through for you. I'm a testimony of that. You know, just continue. I don't suggest actually that's the way to do it, by the way. It probably took me a little longer than it needed to, but... Um, you know, continue to allow the joy of the Lord to be expressed through you. In Philippians 4, verses 4 to 7, Paul writes, Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds. I think, you know, if there's joy in our lives, then there will be gentleness. Uh, there's no room for joy and anxiety to partner together. There will be that sense of if we have joy, then it will never just be focused on ourselves, but how can we reach out to others? How can we pay, be part of God's answer for them? How can we be on the journey to encourage others? That peace of God that passes all understanding will be present with us. Even when we were going through those horrific times with our daughter, there was a sense, well, God, you got us into this. So you're with us in this situation. You know, as a paradox. How can we have the peace in the midst of the turmoil? That illustration of in the eye of a hurricane, there is peace. In the eye of your hurricane, when everything seems to be swirling around outside, at, at home, you know, if you're in a hurricane, you can God's, know God's peace in the midst of that. The second thing I want to talk about this morning, but before we do that, I just really felt today as I was praying for our gathering, is that the gift, part of the gift of today was just some time to actually think about what that means. And so I'm going to time us for 60 seconds, and we're going to have some music. Um, thank you. I'm going to watch the clock, so you don't need to. And 60 seconds will seem like an eternity. But trust me, I'm a reliable person, right? You don't have to answer that question. Um, um, I'll keep an eye on the clock. And for 60 seconds, I want you to allow the Holy Spirit to drop into your mind. You know, what is it for you to know joy in your situation? Um, I had this picture of, you know, peace being like a shield that guards the emotions and the will, um, that guards the heart and the mind. So how can you be that answer? How can you be joy to someone else? How can you experience joy for yourself? And just to allow that to come into your consciousness, whether it's anxiety 
whether it's to be filled again with a sense of thanksgiving, whatever that might be. Lord, I pray for those watching this online, for those in the room. Lord, I, Holy Spirit, I pray, would you just bring an impartation of joy, a revelation of joy in my life and in our lives. In Jesus' name. that scripture comes to mind that the joy of the Lord is our strength I believe for some of you Holy Spirit is just reminding of you of when you first became a Christian for others I just see a picture of the Father just welcome you to come and, and join a banquet of brothers and sisters in Christ saying, come, there's an invitation for you. Come, draw near. I want you to be part of this. For those in turmoil, I pray for a gift of peace, that stillness in the middle of the hurricane. In Jesus' name. The second truth I want us to leave with you um, this morning is to never stop praying. Paul talks about that. And uh, that's puzzled me because it's like, well, surely God heard us the first time, right? He's the creator of the universe. I don't think God's deaf. It's like, you know, I don't think it, it doesn't understand my Kiwi accent. Um, so as we think about that, it, it must be that praying without ceasing does something for us. I don't think it does anything for God. God heard that. And I don't think God, you know, I think our is a loving Heavenly Father with good gifts for our children. So I don't think God is cruel and makes us wait longer than we need to. You know, sometimes I can feel like that. God, why are you making me wait? Why are you so mean? I, I remember after um, my first uh, fiancé broke up with me, I thought I was going to die for about six months. The appropriate response people would be some, you know, oh, or, thank you. And uh, then after about six months, I thought, actually, I think I'm going to live. And uh, yay, thank you, thank you. And life got better after that. But it's like, God, why did that take so long? And yet in the midst of that, you know, God was doing something in my life that I couldn't see. And some of you, you're praying for a breakthrough in the circumstances and God's not being mean. God is not wanting you to suffer. But believe that God is doing something redemptive even in the midst of that that you can't see right now. And when Paul wrote this, he was probably thinking, um, most commentators would say of, of Jesus' words to the, to the, um, about the parable of the persistent widow in Luke chapter 18 and verses 1 to 8. And I haven't got time to read that this morning because I've been rabbiting on about other things. But Mia will put the words up for you and I'll just kind of paraphrase the story. So there was this widow who went to this judge and this judge didn't fear God or men. And so he said, well, I, I'm not going to be, you know, I'm not going to be pestered by this woman. But she was so persistent and then he said, I'm just going to give her what she wants because then she will go on her way and leave me alone. And uh, at the end of this passage of Scripture, verse 6, and the Lord said, listen to what the unjudged, unjust judge says. And will not God bring about justice for his chosen ones who cry out to him day and night? Will he keep putting them off? I tell you, he will see they get justice and quickly. However, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? I just want to encourage you and myself to be persistent in prayer. Um, I was reminded of that. Um, we often quote it. I often quote that um, 
that saying, you know, there is seldom an hour when I pray, but there's so seldom a, a, an hour, seldom a time when I pray for an hour long, but there's seldom an hour when I don't pray. And um, I don't know, I couldn't find that quote, but what I did find was a quote from Smith Wigglesworth who said, I often don't spend more than half an hour in prayer at one time, but I never go more than half an hour without praying. And Smith Wigglesworth, you may not be familiar with him, but he was a great revivalist who came to our nation. He came to Wellington. And uh, I remember Pastor Mike Knott, who was from the Elam Church in Wellington, showing me these clippings. He'd saved them out of the Evening Post of people who got so filled with the Spirit in the Wellington Town Hall that they went home to Brooklyn, which if you know Wellington is kind of up the hill, drunk in the Spirit, staring home under the power of God. Amazing in our own nation. And um, Smith Wigglesworth had a grandmother who prayed persistently for him. And she took him along to church, and one day he gave his heart to Christ. And he was so impacted by that moment that he went home and shared the gospel with his mum, who became a Christian. And that led him on a journey to see thousands of people come to Jesus through his ministry um, as a revivalist. And many people say that there are at least 14 people who were raised from the dead through God working through his ministry. Not bad, eh? All because of a grandma who persisted in prayer. Friends, I wonder this morning, what's on the other side of your persistent prayer? What does that look like for you today? And so I'm going to give you another 60 seconds. And I just ask that the Holy Spirit will show you what does persistent prayer look like for you? And if you're feeling overwhelmed or you're feeling condemned, that's not from God. The Holy Spirit always brings conviction that brings life. So don't come to condemnation. Oh, Michael, you never pray persistently. That's certainly not from God. From God will be something more like, Michael, I love it when you pray persistently. It is so good. Can we do more of that together? So just pause for a moment. Holy Spirit, would you show me, would you show us, what are the areas where we need to persist in prayer? That there would be a breakthrough, that something more of heaven would come to earth. In Jesus' name. Lastly, the last truth I want to share with you is that wasn't 60 seconds, by the way. God's doing a quick work in these last days. That was probably more like 20 seconds. And I'm running out of time because I feel my watch vibrating. So be thankful in all circumstances. And the big difference there is be thankful that God is with you in the circumstances. You don't have to be thankful for awful circumstances. That would be cruel. You know, that time we went through it with our daughter, if I thought that God said, oh, you have to be thankful that the policeman's come to the door. You've got your mother-in-law with panic attacks at one end of the house and your daughter about to climb out a window at the other. Those were not happy times for us. But so grateful that God was with us, that God's people were with us, that family and friends were with us. We had friends like Dougal and Rachel who would walk the streets in Wellington. We would look for our daughter every Friday night when she'd run away. We listed her as a missing person over 20 times. We We pre-filled out the forms of a missing person, so we just had to put in the time and the date because it's a long process on a Friday night to list a person as a missing person. And we had Dougal and Rachel and others who walked the streets of Wellington. It always rains in Wellington on a Friday night. Do you know that? I can testify to that. It's normally windy, but they walked the streets with us. That's what it is to actually be thankful that God has people walking with you in those circumstances. Ephesians 5, 15 to 20 says... 
So be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't get drunk on wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, amongst yourself and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks for everything because God is with you in the midst of that. God has placed people to walk with you in the midst of that. God has placed family and friends alongside you in the midst of that.